Hello, my dear ones. I am so excited to share with you today's episode. I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing Kim Minch, who was the winner of our Share the Love podcast competition. And I'm absolutely thrilled that Kim won because she really had such an important message to share. And I really feel like it was so meant to be that she won the coveted first prize, the guest spot on Soul Guide Radio, because she has an important message and some important insights to share with you on unconscious limiting beliefs, something that affects all of us on the daily, on the hourly. But before we get into all of that, I'd like to share with you a review of Soul Guide Radio. It's not Kim's review because I've already read that one on a different episode. So today I'm going to be reading Emmy 4444 from Canada. And this is what she has to say. So empowering. I just discovered Allison's podcast and I feel so empowered to tap into my own intuitive gifts now, not just for business, but for life in general. I especially loved the episode on removing blocks. It's such a straightforward explanation and incredibly easy to incorporate into a regular meditation practice. This is an amazing podcast. Love it so much. Thank you, Allison. Well, thank you, Emmy4444 from Canada. I really, really, really appreciate it. And I appreciate you so much. And you really got to the heart of what this podcast is about straight forward explanations that are incredibly easy to incorporate into your ongoing spiritual practices or inner reflection routines. That's really what I'm here to do. So thank you for perfectly reflecting that back to me. Emmy, you are amazing. And if you, dear one listener, would like me to read your review on the air, please give us a rating and review. There are links in the show notes to how and where you can do that. And I would be so, so grateful for it and so excited to read your kind and inspiring words on the air. All right. Speaking of kind and inspiring, let's get back to our topic for the week, Unconscious Limiting Beliefs. And I'm chatting with Kim Munch about this really, really important topic. So let's get into it. In today's episode, Kim shares with us her journey to discovering her own unconscious limiting beliefs and how this turned into a book and a way to help others. The process she uses to coach others to uncover and work through their unconscious limiting beliefs and the powerful questions we can ask ourselves to get to the truth. We end on an invitation that will have you identifying and rewriting your own limiting beliefs in a way that will enable you to thrive. So I invite you to please stay with us until the end. Welcome to Soul Guide Radio, a podcast for soul-guided leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs here to bring about change on a massive level. We'll explore how you can activate your big soul mission, amplify your spiritual gifts, and clear the energy blocks weighing you down so you can gain unstoppable momentum in life and business. I'm Allison Scammell, your host and soul guide. Hey there, Soul Guide Circle. That is the name of this community of soul-guided leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs. In the Soul Guide Circle, we have big soul missions, 
and we yearn to earn more, serve more, and grow spiritually along the way. If you aren't already a member, then I invite you to join our Facebook group of over 1,700 leaders and lightworkers who are in service to each other and the planet. Find a link to join on my website, alisonscammell.com, or in the show notes. Today, I had the absolute pleasure of chatting to Kim Minch about unconscious limiting beliefs. Kim is a High Institute for Parenting Certified Conscious Parenting Coach who specializes in working with mothers of adolescents. Kim is passionate about educating, supporting, and encouraging her clients to raise their children with intention and guidance rather than fear and control. Kim's three-plus decades raising five children and years of coaching other parents empower her to lead her clients with compassion and without judgment into healthier, happier, more functional relationships. Kim is the author of the book, Becoming Me While Raising You, A Mother's Journey to Herself. Kim and I really bonded together, connecting on this really important topic. Please enjoy. Welcome, Kim, to Soul Guide Radio. Allison, I'm super excited to be here with you today. Yay! So as I had mentioned, I mentioned this in the intro, but you are the winner. You were the winner and are the winner of the Share the Love podcast competition. It's the first time I've ever had a winner be a guest spot on the Soul Guide Radio, which is a big deal in my world because this is my labor of love. Why do you think you won? Because I believe there's a divine purpose and reason behind everything. I think we were meant to meet. I happened to hear you on Leah Steele's Wealth Witch podcast. I don't know how long ago that was, but it got me immediately intrigued with your work and immediately connected to listening to your podcast. We, I think we went back and forth on a Facebook Live at one point, and I just really admire the work that you do. And the message that you give those of us who are working on building soul-guided businesses. So I feel like it was destiny. Ah, I do too. I did a Facebook Live once and you and I were interacting. And this is before we got to know each other and we had just a nice connection also on that Facebook Live. And this was before you won. So I really feel like it was meant to be. And we're going to be talking and you're going to be sharing your wisdom on unconscious limiting beliefs, which is something that really will take us off of our path. So why don't we start with, can you share with us your journey to discovering your own unconscious limiting beliefs and how this turned into a book and a way to help others? Yes, I'd be happy to share. I was born and raised in the Midwest and had a very, what I would call traditional upbringing. I, my parents were married and mom was stay at home. Dad was the provider. I have two younger brothers and life was all pretty calm and normal until I went off to college as a freshman and actually got pregnant with my first son. And as a result of that, my parents were not overly pleased with that and get kind of gave me the ultimatum of if you, if you want to be that child's mom, you need to leave the family home. So I, that was at an, as an 18 year old, I was put in a position of having to figure out and really listen to my intuition about 
this big life change that was happening to me and what I wanted to do about it. And was I going to follow what other people who I loved really wanted me to do what they wanted me to do? Or was I going to follow my intuition, my gut instinct? So that was the first time in my life that I went against what most people wanted for me to do. And my son came into the world and I decided his dad and I were together for a couple of years before we ended the relationship. And then I found and married my current husband and have four kids with him. So I've had a very busy life of raising five kids. And I had always wanted to be a mom. Of course, that happened to me much earlier in my life than anticipated. But it was always my life's goal to be a parent. And I've encountered some real challenges in my own parenting days of At this point, my kids are 16 to 34 years of age. So I've been a mom for more than three decades. And that has seen, obviously, as anyone who's a parent knows, a lot of ups and downs. But the most significant parenting challenge that I had and what I call my parenting wake-up call happened in May of 2008 when my son called to tell me that he'd lost, lost the last three days of his life to an alcohol binge. It wasn't the first time and he needed help. And as a mom, I had known there were some things going on with him previous to this. He had some mental health issues during his teen years that we tried to get him help for. And I didn't know that he was so immersed in alcohol. That was that was definitely a point at which I could no longer deny there, there was that problem. So that parenting wake-up call also brought on my personal awakening, I would say, because I really became aware of how I had been a part of where he was with alcoholism. But I didn't sit there. Like many parents, I didn't sit in the muck of, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible parent. How did I, how did this happen to me? Or how did we get here? I I looked at that and I acknowledged where I had contributed to the problem. But I didn't sit in that. And along with that, I started looking at how I had been raised and how I was raising my children. And was that working? And what did knowing that I had four kids behind my oldest, what did I want to do and how did I want to be intentional with our relationship? So I look, I looked at my raising, made very intentional changes from that point on in how I was raising my kids. And began to really look at other aspects of my life. What was I reading? What was I watching on TV? How was I spending my free time and wanting to make intentional choices? And this didn't happen overnight. This was a long, you know, period of time, but very much listening to my gut instinct. And because of the situation that I went through with my son's alcoholism, I went back to college. My intention was to become a counselor for teens. And in the process of that, I decided that I wanted instead to work with parents, to work with parents proactively before they were in a crisis situation with their kids. So I started that journey. And in the process of that journey, I love to write. And so I was journaling a lot and It came to me that I wanted to write a book about my experiences, my experience as being a teen mom, my experience of walking my son through his addiction to alcohol, what that looked like to parent through that, 
And this title came to me one day. It was Becoming Me While Raising You, A Mother's Journey to Herself. And I thought that is an amazing title because it really encapsulates what parenting is. It's about becoming you. Our children can be our greatest teachers. So I was having writer's block and I was trying to build my parent coaching business along with I was working a job and it came to a point where I really was doing a lot of examining of who am I and what do I believe about myself? And that is part of how it got integrated into the book. I really, the book is the six limiting beliefs that I took on in my childhood that played out over and over in my marriage and in my parenting for many years before I did, you know, a lot of the self-reflective work that I now work with other parents on. So that, I don't know if that totally answers your question, but I, I did tell you kind of an overview of how I got to writing the book. Yeah, that's that's amazing. It's really powerful. I love the title of your book, Becoming Me While Raising You. I think all parents can relate to that. And it's it's really interesting. I, I, I wonder if there's any parents out there that didn't feel challenged raising kids. And definitely there's degrees of challenge. And some parents definitely have it more challenging than others. It's always going to be the case. I think it's always going to be the case where some parent has it more challenging than you. And less challenging is the case may be, but what a, what a process to go through parent, becoming a parent to really do a lot of things to become yourself, but really to reveal and shine a light on. If you're, if you're ready for this, if you're open and mindful to it, our limiting beliefs and how we have them and how we pass them on inadvertently to our kids and how we received them from our parents. I mean, it's really like it's a playground for limiting beliefs to hang out, right? (laughs) I think the work you do is really important and really inspiring. You have a process that you call you, you and I were talking before the show and you were referring to it as the looking back to move forward, which is a really powerful concept. So can you tell us about this process of looking back to move forward as it relates to our limiting beliefs? Sure. So as I mentioned to you, there was a time at which I began to really question myself, like, what do I believe about myself? And that, and and this is the beginning process of looking back to move forward. Okay. We don't need to sit in all the things, but we can look back and acknowledge where we may have taken a belief on about ourselves. So looking back to move forward, the questions are, what do I believe about myself? Where did that come from? Is it true? And if it isn't true, what is true? And so through a journaling process and through, like I said, a a self-examination, because what initially comes up is, oh, I believe I'm a good mom. I believe that I'm a attentive friend. I believe that I'm a supportive wife. You know, these these roles that we play come up kind of initially as our answers. But as we spend more time immersing ourselves in the question of that, you can get to a place of really, you know, one of the things I believed about myself was that I wasn't worthy of being heard. And when I thought back to, first of all, you know, where did that come from? I looked at where's the first time in my life I remember feeling like what I had to say didn't matter. 
And I think a lot of people have this belief about themselves that they're, they don't have a voice or they, they aren't worth hearing or, you know, I think this is why sometimes people have an issue with public speaking or whatever is, is that. So I remembered a story and a situation when I was a little girl. That was the first time I remember feeling not being heard. And it was a very mundane parenting moment. And, and it's just amazing when I, when I discovered that was the first time that I felt that I didn't have a voice. It, it was such an everyday occurrence. I think that people don't understand. And that's not to like make parents feel like totally paranoid. Oh my gosh, every day has got to be, you know, this perfect day. It's just for people to understand that we take on beliefs about ourselves in everyday moments. And more often than not, when we're little with our primary caregivers. So that is kind of a place that I concentrate on as I'm going through the book. And I would say for the most part, our primary caregivers are those who write on us and impact us the most, obviously, during our formative early years. So then I asked myself, Emma, is it true that I'm not worth hearing? And the answer to that was no, that's not true. That's, that's not true at all. And if that's not true, what is true? And so the new belief that I came to was I have a voice and I'm worth hearing. And when you come to a new belief, it's about practicing that. It is about intentionally, consciously practicing that. And just showing up in this podcast today is my way of today showing up and saying, I am worth hearing. I have something to share with the world. There is an important message and experience that I have that I can share with others that may help them. So that process of looking back to move forward is asking yourself those intentional questions, coming to a new belief and integrating it every day by practicing it in your life. Nice. Beautiful. So we have four questions. What do I believe about myself? Where did that belief come from? Is it true? And I'm, are you a student at all of Byron Katie? Well, I, yes. I, I mean, I've heard of her work. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So that is a big question. She also asks, she, she teaches also about thought inquiry. And then if not, what is true? Those are four really powerful questions. So I like the idea of coming up with the new thought, the thought that feels my, you know, I work a lot with energy blocks. And our energy blocks, I, the, how I describe it is the casing around the energy block is the stories we tell ourselves. I'm not worthy. And so thoughts like that, when they feel true, because it only matters if it feels true. And most of the times our thoughts don't feel true 100% of the time. They feel true 20% of the time, 80% of the time. So if the thought I'm not worthy feels true 80% of the time, then 80% of the time, it's going to trigger emotions. In this case, it's going to trigger unworthiness, maybe fear, sadness, anger, resentment, right? And those emotions become the energy block that gets trapped inside of us. So I help clients release, release the block, okay? And when the block is released, normally that primary thought, I'm not worthy enough, starts to erase, it magically erases because it's the illusion. It's not the truth. So getting back to that, if that's not true, I'm not worthy. If that's not true, what is true? The truth will automatically emerge. I am worthy. You know, it'll come from our higher self. However, it's exactly as you say. 
for us to start owning that new truth, for that to really start to become the new truth for 51% of the time and higher is a practice. It is. It's a practice. So let's talk about that for a sec. How do you help your clients get into that practice? Let's stay with that thought because I think a lot of my listeners and a lot of us, all of us have suffered from or felt the effects of some variation of I'm not worthy enough. So I've released that block. I'm coming back to I am worthy, but I'm waffling. Yes. And, and, and some days are going to be better than others, right? We're going to show up better than others. I think what I, what I most help my clients do is as we're in regular contact with each other, initially when these new beliefs are being written and being practiced is being accountable is have someone, having someone to be accountable to having someone to remind us and having someone help us process through what went well. And what would didn't go well? Like I meet with my clients once a week. So we will talk about, let's say, for example, it's I'm not worthy and rewriting that to a place of I am worthy. And, and it is not necessarily the opposite all the time. It's not necessarily just going in the opposite direction. It may have different wording to it, but, but for this example, so a client may come and, you know, they, I haven't seen them in a week and they're practicing this new belief that they're worthy. And they have some episode that doesn't go their way and they start to feel icky again. I think what I do most and best at the beginning is really help them remember and help them be accountable and help them to see where they, all of the little things that they tell me about their week, where they were worthy, where they did feel that way. Because the mind, I believe, and you can maybe affirm this or not, but I believe we naturally go to the negative. We naturally go to where, where we're lacking as opposed to concentrating on what we've done well, what we, and, and we rarely, we're always in that striving mode and not necessarily seeing the steps that we're making to get there. So I would say that the, one of the most important things I do with my clients is hold them accountable and reaffirm and remind them why they're practicing and remind them how long they had this belief that they felt unworthy. It could be 20 years. It could be, in my case, it could be, you could be in your fifties and just realizing that this is your belief. So it takes time. It does take time. And there is something called negative bias. It's a psychological term that our brain is, it, and it, it is wired. You know, our brain's not the bad guy. It has to do with our survival instinct. And our ability, our brain's always looking for ways to help us survive or thrive. So it's always looking for danger and threats in our situation. Is that bear? Is there a bear in the woods that's going to come yeah. eat us? And the thing is, you know, we've evolved and we don't have on our day to day those types of real threats in our environment that could actually lead to something. Most of us, our threats aren't going to cause us physical harm. For most of us, some of us, yes, that may be the case. But for most of us, our thoughts are more, there's, they're triggered in the same way of you could be hurt. You could, you know, you could, I, I, I'm working with one client and she has, we, we've discovered that she had a real limiting belief that she could die. And it, and it wasn't anything that actually, so this is when, you know, this is Soul Guide Radio, Kim, so we got to go deep here. This actually didn't come from childhood. This actually came from past lifetime trauma. 
And it was actually triggered in childhood with various and sundry things that happened to her. But that past lifetime trauma where she actually, you know, there was death involved, she carried it forth. And in and it's so many areas of her life, she didn't realize she had this unconscious limiting belief that if I'm visible, getting back to what you were re- referencing earlier, if I'm seen, I could die. And the thought was, if I'm successful, I could die. And that was actually a past lifetime trauma coming to her. So now she's released a lot of that trauma. She's released a lot of it. But the thoughts, those are the things that really take the most time to rewrite because she knows it's not true. She knows she's not going to die if she does a Facebook Live. However, it's a powerful process. So the, 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 these thoughts can have a powerful hold on us. So she's now working in this rewriting process, just as you were talking about, Kim, to rewrite her stories. It is safe. And you're right. It's not always just the opposite. You know, sometimes you have to find You know, I help my clients to keep finding the words that feel more or less true. Yeah. So I am open to being safe doing a Facebook Live. You know, you ease into the new thought that feels truer and it feels freer. Because usually when our thoughts are free, when our thoughts are pointing in the direction of our truth, there'll be some form of freedom there. There'll be some form of relief. There'll be some form of expansion. That's how the thought will feel. So if you're thinking about rewriting your own thoughts, go to what feels free. Go to what feels expanding. And that is what, or go to what feels truer. And that's going to help you land on thoughts that really start to serve you. Yep. And again, it's 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 about time and not, not you can't rush time. Right. And you can't rush the practice. And if you've lived under this often unconscious limiting belief for, for a long time, it, and it, and it, my goodness, if it came from a past life, I mean, there's, there's work involved, but it's having the courage every day to show up and to be seen and to work on this new belief until it gets to a place like now I, I, I know I'm worthy of being heard. I have a great message. Perhaps this is why we met today, you know, in addition to that, that, you know, there's somebody out in your audience that needs to look at these questions or, or hear this information as well. So I don't, I'm not, I no longer feel as if I don't, I'm not worthy of being heard, but it took incrementally me showing up and doing a little bit bigger things, a little bit bigger things you know, falling, not doing well, but showing up again anyway, that's what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. And it it really is too, I think a big piece of this puzzle, which you mentioned was finding that evidence. So when we ask the questions, you know, what do I believe about myself? I'll repeat them again. Where did that come from? Is it true? If not, what is true? When we get to that, what is true? And we're rewriting We're rewriting because what happens is the brain has neural transmitters. And the more we believe a thought to be true, the mm, more powerful that neurological pathway becomes. So if we have a super deep-seated thought that, for example, I'm not worthy, that pathway is going to be like a super highway, right? It's going to be really, really, really entrenched and it's going to show up in all areas of your life. Well, when you notice that and you start to rewrite it, you're not going to change it from a super highway to a little footpath overnight. You want to look at it. It's a journey. And little by little by little, you're going to take that pathway 
that feels so entrenchedly true. And little by little, you're going to start to change that pathway, like I said, into something so narrow that it doesn't even exist anymore. And that process is a journey and a really powerful way to start to believe the new thoughts, some form of I am worthy, is looking for that evidence, which you were talking about earlier. And I, I think what what you're doing is finding joy in the journey. If you can find if you can find the joy or find the moments when you have felt worthy, like when you know when it when it has come to you, finding that joy along the way is really the key. Yeah, absolutely. Find it noticing. Noticing that's also evidence, noticing the things that bring you joy, noticing the things that don't bring you joy so you can stop adding those things to your agenda and noticing those moments in time where you just were in a in a minute of worthiness. Like, boy, I felt so worthy in that moment. If you can notice it, if you could notice it. And then my I, I'm the feeling coach. I'm, I'm the emotions coach. That's kind of my area of expertise is about emotions and energy. If you can get into that feeling state of worthiness and just even if you can drop into it with mindful intention for 20, 30 seconds, I am so worthy. Being in that emotion for 30 seconds is going to have a positive effect on your thoughts. Because your thoughts are going to start to reflect that. I felt worthy, therefore I must be worthy. So emotions and and mindfully calling up these emotions of worthiness is also going to play a part. But you can't, when it comes to emotions, you can't fake it, right? So you can't kind of force feelings of worthiness. So it's a good idea to just notice when the worthiness is actually occurring. Because in a way, it's it's you're noticing the evidence that you are worthy, you are feeling worthy, you're in the feeling state of worthiness. And that is going to really help rewrite your neural pathways of your brain. So your brain stops believing the thoughts, I am not worthy. And it starts believing the thoughts, I am really freaking worthy. Yeah. And it's it's wonderful. And and helping parents to not only get educated about their their kids and their their the brain changes that they're having and the skill set of values and boundary setting and that whatnot, but getting them to look a little bit back at their own lives. You know, everyone's a little bit different in terms of how much they're willing to look back and look at generational patterns and things. However, I think the more work that we can do, the less we will inadvertently and unconsciously project onto our children. Yes. I feel like this is related to unconscious limiting beliefs. So I'm going to share it. One of the things that I feel like we do well in my household, we don't always do well keeping our temper under control because we are some fiery people, right? We are some fiery people and we're passionate people. So we can get angry. We can snap, right? And that's something that we're working on. We're working on not getting so triggered and not getting so angry in the moment. So that's kind of our homework as a family, all of us. But what I think we do really well is our recovery from it. We recover super well. We're super good at saying we're sorry. We're super good at like modeling that for our kids. Like, oh, I was angry and I did that thing and that was a bad choice. Mama shouldn't have done that. I'm really sorry. And I think that that's, that's 
what we do well. Yeah, a lot of parents don't. A lot of, you know, they don't ever say that. They may feel sorry, but they never express that. And I think that can be so empowering. They don't want to, they don't want to look vulnerable to their kids or, or whatever. But you know, it's really powerful that you do that because it, it, again, it's a great model for your kids. Right. But how often have we grown up and into our own adulthood and have feelings of unworthiness because maybe something did happen with a parent and, you know, the parent felt sorry later, but they never said anything. So the fact that you have the resolution is it's very powerful. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And I think it also for the parent. And I think you can if you're not a parent, I think you could apply this to your circumstances. It takes off the pressure of being perfect. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not working on having a better way to manage my temper. I am working on that. So I'm not like off the hook with my temper. I'm, I'm working on that, but I'm a human. We're all human and we have our moments where we, we slip, we fall, we behave in a way that we wish we wouldn't have. And this, like, this recovery, this like, Hey, I'm sorry. I think it's really powerful. And I think it's powerful for our kids. And hey, this is, uh, an audience for soul guided entrepreneurs primarily. So if we ever do it with a client, you know, not necessarily losing your temper, but maybe something happens with a client or an audience member and you just come back and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't handle that very well. A lot of strength in apologizing and people look at it as the opposite, but I, I think there's humility and, and being honest and being authentic. If you, if there's been a situation, I think is one of the most courageous and strength, you know, strong things that we can do. I agree. And here's where the limiting belief comes in. I think we've been taught by society that apologizing is a sign of weakness. It's vulnerable. It's giving up your high ground. So we're going to rewrite these limiting beliefs that don't serve any of us so we can all live truer, happier, more joyful lives. Kim, I've had an absolute blast chatting with you on this topic. You have such a great energy. You have such a great perspective. You're doing amazing work in the world. So I'm going to ask you in one second how our listeners can contact you, but can you also leave our listeners with an invitation? An invitation? Well, if you are in a situation, and I, as human beings, I think we all are, but if you're thinking about, or you're blocked, or you're not receiving, maybe you're working super hard at something and you're not receiving what you intended or what you're looking for. I want to invite you to go through the looking back to move forward process and go through those four questions of what do I believe about myself? Is it or where did that come from? Is it true? And if it's not true, what is true? And then the big work of beginning to rewrite and practice a new belief. So that's what I invite your listeners to do. Beautiful. I love that. And I love the rewrite and practice. Such good stuff. And, you know, it's part of, I'm just going to mention this quickly here. It's part of our human design where most of us, I think, I think it's part of all human design types that we have certain wounds. We all have certain wounds from our human design or limiting beliefs that we basically that we're just prone to believe. So for example, one of mine is there's not enough time. And I know that's, that's something we all grapple with, but it's actually in my design type that that is a, that is a limiting belief that I'm going to be prone to really believe and it's really going to affect my actions. So 
this is this is a practice that is going to serve you in all ways from, you know, stuff that happened to us in past lifetime to childhood, but also just to those those limiting beliefs that we're going to be susceptible to. So I really feel like this work, this inquiry process that Kim is talking about, it's just our life's work. It's just part of our daily practice, right? It's just make it we go to the gym, we brush our teeth, we do our thought work, I think is really the best way and the most powerful way to approach it. So I love this invitation. We will leave these four questions in the show notes if you want to take a look at them there in the references section. And Kim, please tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and your work and get a hand, get their hands on your amazing book. Well, they can, the quickest way would be to go to my website, which is reallifeparentguide.com. And if your listeners are on TikTok, I'm at Kim Minch Parent Coach on TikTok. Beautiful. So those links will be in the show notes. Kim, I can't thank you enough. This has been a fantastic exchange with you. And thank you so much for winning the competition and for sharing your wisdom on Soul Guide Radio. Thanks, Allison. And I want to thank you so much, dear listener, for tuning in as always. And until next time, may your soul guide the way. Are you ready to fill your business with soul clients in the next 60 days? Then download my free energy upgrade meditation to amp up your energy frequency, dissolve the doubt, and attract the soul clients you are destined to serve. Find a link to download on my website, allisonscammell.com, as well as in the show notes.